BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. Yes, he is. And this episode today, all we're talking about is Matt. We're covering Matt's money origin story. Okay, so my desire to do this episode or not, is that a reflection of my own vanity? <laughs> Whether I'm willing to talk about myself for anywhere between uh, 30 and 45 minutes? <laughs> yeah, we'll see we'll see how long this goes. But No, no I, I, I am looking forward to this, though, because yeah, like I'm in the hot seat a little bit, actually. I'm, uh, I started to perspire a little bit. <laughs> I feel like you've turned the tables. You've turned the microphone on me. Even though I do talk into the microphone every week, it does feel a little bit different here. Uh, talking to, to, to have the spotlight shown on you. Me, specifically. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, it's going to be fun, and we're going we're gonna, to... Uh, dive into my money origin story next week and totally. so the tables will be turned i will feel the heat then yes you will but uh <laughs> but i think this is this is going to be good it's you know still the beginning of a new year and there are a lot of how to money listeners who know quite a lot about you and i at this point we divulge a fair amount of information about how we live our own lives and how we handle our personal finances on the show but we've never really done a deep dive into either of yeah. our money origin stories and Anybody who's been listening, some people from back in the day episode, you know, the single digit episodes, they they will uh, find some of these things familiar, but they will also unearth new territory about exactly. the man, yeah. the myth, the, the legend, <laughs> how to money Matt. <laughs> yeah, we're going to weave it all together because I, I do think that, yeah, if you've been listening for years now, you probably have maybe a loose understanding of my past, of your past as well, because we, you know, we sprinkle in little bits of our history into every single episode. We, we try to find ways where it relates to our listeners, but uh, this will be fun to kind of tie it all together and for folks to have a, a clear understanding. This will be a kind of a more conversational episode as opposed to one where we're diving into specific topics or teaching something. Yeah. Uh, this is maybe truly what it's actually like if you're having a beer with us and we're just going <laughs> to kick back. But dude, okay, before we launch into this though, I wanted to share with you, Kate got me an amazing Christmas gift. It's been a couple weeks now since Christmas. And uh, you might remember back, we had Marshall Allen on. We talked about healthcare, the crazy high cost of healthcare. Still one of my favorite interview episodes he that we've done. Fantastic episode. And his splurge was coffee. Specifically, he roasts his own coffee. Uh, and I kind of nerded out. I started to ask him a bunch of questions, realized that we couldn't include all that in the episode. <laughs> I dialed it back. Um, but I was really interested in his ability to roast his own coffee. 
really nice, like world-class high-end coffee for a fraction of the price and to get it, you know, for super cheap, super fresh at home. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the best of both worlds, right? It costs less money and it's and better it's like coffee. The best stuff, exactly. Yeah. So I meant, you know, after that interview, I, I mentioned that to Kate. Didn't think much of it. Well, sure enough, Kate got me basically a coffee roasting kit for Christmas. And uh, the best part? is one of the easiest and cheapest methods of... It's like an easy-bake oven for adults. Yes, <laughs> yeah, seriously. The, one of the easiest and cheapest ways to actually roast the coffee are is to use a popcorn air popper. Oh, really? You, you know, it's, it's like this little appliance, yeah. and you kind of got the spoon of corns, kernels, or whatever, you, you drop down in there, you flip the thing on, and it starts popping popcorn. Uh-huh. Well, you do basically, you do that exact same thing with the coffee beans. You do it outside because it creates a big mess, and the you know, and it's still, there's a decent amount of smoke. Um, but you do that, you keep an eye on it, you get it to the color, the roast, you know, that you want, whether you're looking for, like, a lighter medium, darker medium, or darker roast, and dude, it was phenomenal. Uh, I was surprised at how easy it was to make really good coffee at home i've got to get you some yes i would love to try it it's just like like we said the ability to buy a pound of raw coffee i guess that's what you call it raw i'm still working on the the kit beans that kate, kate got me four different samples basically and we're kind of cycling through them right now but it is definitely more affordable than buying the really nice stuff at the store how much more affordable i'm not totally sure i i will report back as i kind of dial in my coffee roasting escapades there we um, go but uh but yeah i'll, I'll definitely roast them up for you I look forward to trying it, and I, yeah, I think that's cool. I was kind of uh, fascinated by the fact that Marshall Allen revealed that he roasts his, his own beans. I didn't know that was a thing. As soon as he said that, I was like, okay, this is going to be a problem for me. <laughs> All right, we got to reach back out to him and be like, um, dude, we're doing it. Exactly. Or you're doing it. But. Yeah. Anyway, maybe I'll link to the uh, the air popper. It's just a standard like popcorn air popper that Kate got me, uh, but that plus this book she got me and plus some sample coffees. Uh, that's all you need. But yeah, I'll keep you posted. Sounds good. Looking forward to hearing more about your coffee roasting it's, adventures. That's oh, so good. <laughs> I actually want some right now, even though we're drinking beer. We should like <laughs> Instagram live you roasting your own coffee beans. It's it's really boring. It's just like <laughs> you put it in there, turn it on and watch it turn bright. And then we could like turn the camera around and you're smiling like a giddy schoolboy. That's uh, awesome. It's that right. great. <laughs> well, let's move on, Matt. Let's mention quickly the beer that we're having on this episode. This is Athena Paradiso with Blackberry Black Current and Ambrosia. This is by Creature Comforts, which is just an awesome brewery out of Athens, Georgia. We'll give our thoughts on this beer at the end of this episode. But uh, for now, Matt, let's get on to the, the subject matter at hand. And the subject matter is is you. Like we're talking about your money about origin me. story. It is all about you today. And so, yeah, I've kind of um, come up with uh, some questions, like kind of uh, the things I want to ask you about your money history so that our listeners can learn more about you, but then also just learn more about kind of how you've grown with money, how you've handled yeah. it. Uh, hopefully there are not not just uh, human interest uh, here, but also actual money tips and takes- takeaways. Totally. But like we said, it is, I think, helpful for you to get to know us better as people early on in the new year. And and Matt, January tends to be a month where how the money gets more downloads than usual because people are like, I've got a New Year's resolution. I want to do better with my money. And so they're seeking out a podcast uh, some similar to ours or ours in particular, and they're hoping that it will help. And mm-hmm. hopefully hearing Matt's story will provide some inspiration along with, yeah, some of those uh, tactical, practical takeaways. But yeah, let's let's get to it, Matt. I, w- I want to kind of like start start young and, and not like baby young, like uh, when you came home from the hospital <laughs> or anything like that. But I do want to hear when about- I earned my first dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Your parents started that allowance really early. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about maybe um, when you, the first conversations you remember about money in your house household. And what always sticks out to me is, and we'll get get into this next week, but coming from a house where money either just wasn't talked about or when it was, it was always in like a frustrated way or Mm -hmm. uh, there there just wasn't a whole lot of like practical, helpful uh, talk when it came to the subject of money. You come from a household that uh, has a pretty healthy relationship with it, it seems like. Totally, man. Yeah. I, I, so I credit a lot of that to my dad. So he grew up in the Midwest and I feel like he brought over, you know, from the Midwest to the South, like a lot of that Midwestern like work ethic. <laughs> and I think he sort of translated a lot of that towards handling your money uh, well also. Uh, but as early as I can remember, I always had an allowance. I mean, like some of my earliest memories regarding money were receiving a bunch of dimes and then being taught how to save a portion of it, how to give a portion of it away, how to, you know, have it, you know, the rest of it for 
for spending. But that plus like a piggy bank made out of like a two liter uh, Coke bottle <laughs> <laughs> that also I will say my dad like we he taped over it so you couldn't see the money, which always like even now looking back, I'm like, well, isn't the ability to see it kind of like uh, fun? Yeah, like kind of getting you excited about Watching it, but, it grow. But he was just like, no, 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 like you we're, we're going to not we're going to pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, and so I, I don't know, maybe there's a lesson there that he was trying to teach me. But a lot of my early memories around money had to do with just not only the responsibility of handling my money well, but also doing the chores I, I needed to do around the house because it wasn't just an allowance that I received no matter what. It was because there were certain jobs that I had uh, that I had to perform in order to receive that money. Uh, and so in that way, it was less, I guess, like an allowance that I was entitled to and more like something that I did have to earn. And, and you've really taken that sort of idea about money into how you uh, teach your kids about it. We'll, yeah. we'll get to that later. But you really totally, do. Yeah. You, you value, you, you think, and, and this is just true in the real world, right? That when we work, we get money. <laughs> and, and those two things that's, are just highly correlated. Exactly. I, I think that's my biggest problem with calling it an allowance because it just feels like it's something that you get no matter what. It's like a yeah. stipend or something. As, as long as you're breathing, you get some money. It's like, well, uh, I don't know. I, I really do like the idea that you receive money when you perform a job or, or do a job or, or you know perform a task. I do think, like a lot of folks will argue that, well, no, there should be certain chores that your kids do no matter what. And I agree. Like there are certain things that my kids will never get paid for because you're not going to get paid for being, you know, listening to mom and I or <laughs> making your bed. Like, yeah, like these are things that you should be doing no matter what. But for me, you know, the allowance that was huge. Another sort of lesson, and this is, I guess, as I got a little bit older, but I remember getting my first credit card. Like, I remember it showing up in the mail. I was still living at home. And this is, you know, this is years ago. And I swear, I was like, I was either 18 or even younger. I may have been 16 years old. And it was a card. And it, I mean, it was a pre-qualified letter. It had my name on it. And I remember showing it to dad and be like, hey, this is my credit card now, right? And he's like, yeah, it is. And I thought, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, well, as long as you, whatever you use it for, as long as you pay it off every month, there's no reason that you can't use this credit card. Uh, and and so I think that stands out in my mind as well. And that might be part of my affinity towards credit cards even today, because I mean, he was taking advantage of cashback bonuses and different things like that starting back in the 80s. Uh, but I think that, that that also had a, a pretty large impact on, on my ability to think about finances maybe in a different way than uh, other kids were. Yeah. Well, it sounds like too, what your dad was instilling was a sense of autonomy, right? Where, where yeah. like you're 16 and your dad's like, sure, yeah, it's your credit card. Uh, and, and we've talked about how helping your kids, allowing your kids some of that leash to make mistakes while they're still under your roof is actually the best time for them to to make mistakes and to, and to learn while you're there to protect them, while the mistakes totally. can be minor. And it seems like your dad was kind of setting you up for that that ability too. Yeah, absolutely. They were all about allowing me to make the mistakes with like tens and hundreds of dollars as opposed to like thousands and ten thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah. that oftentimes those are the lessons we learn further down the road, yeah. right? But I also, I do want to mention my mom <laughs> because even though like more the day-to-day, -day, you know, nuts and bolts of handling money well came down to dad and, and what he taught me. But I think my one of the things my mom instilled in me I mean, of course, like she's Asian. And so like all Asian parents, she wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that always stood out to me, because I knew what a doctor was and I knew what a lawyer was, but she would also always mention entrepreneurship, like owning your own business. And that really does, as I think back, that stands out to me because at the time, you didn't really know what that meant, right? Like all you knew was that there were stores and then I guess there's a business owner. And so, and specifically mom had, and she still does have a lot of friends who own their own businesses, but a lot of them were like brick and mortar shops. And mm -hmm. so, but even then, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to, be like the owner of a Korean food store, like. <laughs> uh, but the idea. There's still time, buddy. If you want. Uh, to. Hey, I, I could, man. Uh, <laughs> or your own coffee roasting company. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, but the idea of being able to do whatever it is that I wanted to do with my time, for me to be able to set my own rules, I think even at a very young age that that kind of turned something on in my head, mm -hmm. right? Like it flipped the switch. And oh, I don't have to go work for somebody else. I can create my own product or service. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that had a lot to do with too, just how, I mean, I literally only lasted like a year and a half or two years in the corporate world uh, right after college before I started my own business, before doing other things that were a little less traditional. And, and as I think back, I mean, there weren't many influences in my life to uh, owning your own business, except for some of those early conversations we had in 
thinking that I might own a food store. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so I feel like, yeah, we talked about how your, your dad in particular was such a great influence, your mom in, in regards to pushing you towards entrepreneurship, or at least opening your eyes to the reality that that is a legitimate way to move forward in this world, to start mm-hmm. your own business. But what about like, uh, maybe a biggest money fail or something like that, like, uh, or a biggest money struggle early on, because, you know, e- even today, it's not like you're rolling in the dough, but, but where, where I'm sitting, uh, from where I'm sitting, you've been just so incredibly intentional for a lot of years with your money and and that's paid off like you we mentioned this on the show but you you have your budget down to the penny like what you've spent dating back 15 years like uh so so it's not without like a lot of effort and intentionality that you've gotten here but i'd love to hear what um my robotic friend matt uh <laughs> like that you're a real human being who potentially uh occasionally also screws up so totally i mean i don't make the always make the wisest decisions and i will say i mean i've become more methodical and you know responsible as i've gotten older but especially dude i mean in high school and college you know, I wouldn't say that these were struggles at the time. Like at the time, I thought I was just living my life and making great decisions. But the amount of money that I spent on cars specifically, <laughs> and, and we've kind of hinted at this before, but early on, I had this old Jeep, this old Jeep Cherokee that actually was pretty great. It was a pretty great car. It was well-maintained. We bought it from some folks we knew. But then I saved up some more money, sold that Jeep, took that money that I you know earned from that sale and plus the additional money, and I bought a nicer Jeep, like a newer grand, uh, not just regular Cherokee, a grand Cherokee. Oh, there you I go. Did the upgrade. Getting fancy. <laughs> and, uh, and then in, in college, I actually sold, sold, sold that one and got an older Range Rover, which was also a very sweet, sweet ride that was very expensive to maintain and got terrible gas mileage. You obviously didn't check the Consumer Reports reliability ratings before you bought that. Uh, but I, I mean, I did this multiple times over the course of a, a number of years. And just every time you do that, there's just transaction costs involved, uh, not to mention just getting it to a level of running, you know, like a level of dependability. Plus, I would also put a decent stereo in. I wasn't like going around blasting music, but yeah. I liked having, a, you know, some bass. I liked having a sub back there, <laughs> but I would do that every single time. And so it was just this money that was just essentially hemorrhaging towards transportation that just wasn't all that necessary uh, in my life. Like I look back now in retrospect, and I kind of cringe at what I could have done with that money had I invested it, say, you know, like we give these examples all the time, how if a teenager, when they are 16 or 18 years old, if they start investing that money early on, what that money could turn into. And I couldn't imagine uh, (laughs) the fortune, the amount of wealth that I would have had I done that. But those are lessons though that I learned along the way, because after that period of time, I was able to look back and think, oh man, that was kind of dumb. Like it was fun, uh, but it was it was very expensive fun, you know, and and again, these weren't really nice, brand new, fancy sports cars or anything like that. These were old, old cars. Relatively um, not an expensive car. Relatively speaking. But, but for you, it was still just like a misplacement of funds. Oh, absolutely. For me, it was just the most, definitely was the most amount of money that I was spending on anything. And so, yeah, I don't know. On one hand, I see that as a massive mistake. But on the other hand, I see that as just a learning opportunity. And it's something that I've kind of carried into today as to you know who I am now. Okay. All right. Well, uh, who you are now, we're going to get to that in just a second. <laughs> but I, I've got some, some more questions about as like you enter early adulthood. And in particular, I want to ask you about a moment that you point to as your light bulb moment. And it ref- it's about the show Downton Abbey. So, <laughs> so we're going to get to some more questions about your origin story and what makes you who you are and how you are with money. Uh, We'll get to some more of those right after this. Jill, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. 
There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we're back from the break, and it's time now to talk hey, more. slow down. It's, this is my... No. I can take the lead here. I get to bring it back. I got the reins. At least once. You just sit back and it's, handle the questions. I'm just going to kick back and you can <laughs> rub my feet. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. But uh, let, let's get to you all. Let's get, dive uh, uh, more uh, further into your origin story, Matt, because... Yeah, there's. Um, Does it feel like that the guest just welcomed the show back for the break <laughs> yes. because you're kind of interviewing me? It felt wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to know too. Like as you're okay, so you're in college, you're spending money on cars that you should, really shouldn't be because you could be saving. You could even even start to get into investing, and because your dad had taught you some important principles about how to handle money, giving you actual money as a kid to save and invest. And so yeah, like a, as you left the nest, like as you're out on your own, basically, at college, where did you turn for help figuring out the bigger money issues that you started to face? Because, yeah, your, your dad had been such a help. Would you just call him when you had questions? Or, or yeah, what direction did you start to go in um, with, yeah, your, your money beliefs? Yeah, I, sh- I should have called my dad. So, I mean, my personality, I'm just prone to do things on my own and to learn on my own and make my own mistakes. And so, I'm sure I could have called dad uh, and asked him some very specific... And I'm sure I did, actually. I mean, you know, you talk to your parents all the time, like when you're <laughs> when you're younger. And I can't necessarily 
remember like um, you know some important phone call but i also know my personality though and i do tend to not ask for help i tend to try to figure things out on my own i make my own mistakes which can be a good thing because once you learn a lesson i think you learn it really well when mm -hmm. <laughs> when you've learned it the hard way as opposed to it being something that somebody else has told you and plus at that time i think dad was investing a lot in single stocks and so he may, <laughs> he may have pointed me in the wrong direction it's still a debate that him and i have uh often <laughs> where it's just like so tell me about your portfolio how much better is it doing than the S&P, which turned 28% last year. <laughs> but it wasn't until actually I graduated college and I'd gotten my first, it was a post-college uh, job, but it wasn't a job within my profession. I was just living up in North Carolina with a friend. And I first learned about the Roth IRA. There's a friend of mine who's a few years older and he was telling me all about the magic of uh, compound returns and how I needed to get investing uh, specifically within a Roth IRA as soon as possible. And I said, Cool. <laughs> Done. I'll do that. And I totally, like, literally, I think probably and like, that. and also, I need you to jump <laughs> off a bridge. And you're like, cool. I, I, I don't know about that, Dan. <laughs> uh, but I invested uh, my money. I opened a Roth IRA. But the thing is, I had things uh, out of order, right? And so even though you do want to get investing, you do want to make sure you've got some money in the bank. And unfortunately, I didn't really, I wasn't well-versed. I wasn't well-rounded. I just didn't knew. have that e-fund started yet. No, I didn't. And that was the problem. That was money that I actually had to take out of that account uh, a number of months later because I didn't I didn't have any margin in my life and I was looking for some money to help me with my move to Atlanta once I got my first what I call my first big boy job, but nor was I actually invested in a low cost index fund either. Uh, I was invested in a fund that he had recommended and he had seen good results uh, over the you know a few years that he was invested, but it was a really expensive uh, mutual fund that was managed by like this rock star fund manager. And so what that meant was that well, as soon as I started investing in it, it didn't do so great. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, any returns that I was receiving was getting eaten away by fees. And so that's why, not because of that one lesson, but since that was my first lesson, the first time I learned that low cost index funds were the way to go. But we have just seen over years and decades that widely diversified funds that cost virtually nothing is what you and I are currently invested in. It's what yeah. we recommend for everybody who's in the wealth building stage of their life. But that was uh, that was a lesson I learned. Yeah, maybe the hard way. <laughs> well, that's a uh, that's I a couple of lessons. It's, it's really which funds you yeah. are, are are smart to invest in. You uh, you also learned about timing of things. Order of operations is important, mm -hmm. and we talk about that in our seven money gears and how there is there is a way a route in which you should go and investing before you have any savings on hand is a bad idea because yeah, yeah. you might need to pull that money out and that is not an ideal situation you to gotta, be in. You got to have that margin. Yeah. Uh, it, something else I mentioned too, that same friend who had told me about uh, opening my first, you know, opening my Roth IRA. Uh, interestingly, he uh, had purchased a, a home that my friend and I were renting from. And so this was my first introduction to investment properties. Uh, and he made it look so fun and so great because he owned the place and we're friends with him anyway, yeah. right? And so he would come by and hang out. This is up in North Carolina. It's kind of cold up there. So we'd have like like guys chilly night and <laughs> uh, we'd have some friends over. That's actually, coincidentally, that's when I first started drinking uh, nicer craft beer. So that was a very formational period of my life when uh, I learned a lot. But looking back, I, I realized that was my first introduction to understanding the fact that, oh, you could invest in real estate. You can you can buy a property uh, that can generate income for you, and you can do that like with a good conscience. It's not like this evil landlord who yeah. is trying to extract as much value out of the tenant as possible. It's not like this massive imbalance of power. Uh, you can do it in a way that provides good for a lot of people. And I, I think that was really important when it came to sort of planting those initial seeds uh, of real estate investing. So it's interesting. Uh, it's my eight-year-old Selma, she got Monopoly Junior for Christmas. Oh, nice! And so we've been playing. Is that, that the song. one with the with the uh, with the cards, or is it actually the the game board? It's actually the game board. Okay, and it is. It's a lot of fun, and she's getting understanding real estate investing more. Where she's like, I buy this thing, and then when people land on it, they have to pay me money, and it's like she's yep. like, this is th this sounds like a lot of the way is businesses this what, work. Sort is this of what you do, Daddy? Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, trying to expound on the nuance behind a rental property, or even just starting a business with her. And it's interesting how something as small as Monopoly Junior has been kind of a way to do that. And yeah, real estate investing, you know, you and I have talked about it a bunch on the show. It's been great for you and I overall. And and yeah, I think do think of it as 
a service in a capitalistic economy where you can yeah. offer something good to somebody that they need uh, and at the same time make money. But um, l- talk yeah. to me about your Downton Abbey <laughs> epiphany because th- this is one of those things. Actually, on the About Us page on HowToMoney.com, you and I both have written just a little bit about our personal lives. And this is one of the things that you mentioned in there. It's this conversation with your wife, yeah, Kate, back ever, in the day. Have we ever talked about it on the show? I don't think so. Okay, so I, I know I've talked about it on other shows. I guess, yeah, this is a great time, to, I guess, to, to share it now. Like when you were on the Today Show or <laughs> uh, Larry okay, King back so in the before, day. So before, I mean, that was a, a great moment because it was a time when Kate and I were getting on the same page, uh, specifically about like a higher level goal. But that wasn't always the case. And even before before the Downton story, I wanna, I'll want i mention Dave Ramsey because Kate and I, like when we were dating uh, and, and even when we were engaged that entire period of time, Kate was still in school. She was in college. She was a full-time student taking a full load. Uh, she was graduating early, so she was taking so many hours. She was ready to, you know, to move to Atlanta, live with me. But I was a little bit concerned because we had never essentially earned money. We hadn't lived lives together while we had careers, while we had earned money, where we were spending real amounts of money. And there's no sort of set path on how to talk about that. And so before we, we got married, actually, I wanted us to have more conversations around that. And actually, I so I got us tickets to Dave Ramsey. He had one, by, I guess he still does them. I don't I've heard, even I've know. heard of this guy. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've heard of this guy, this uh, <laughs> this hillbilly from, from Tennessee. Uh, but he had these live events. And it's where he, you know, he covers the basics of personal finance, basically. And he kind of takes you through his brand of personal finance, a lot of which we disagree with <laughs> here on How to Money. We've talked about It's a about good it. start for a lot of it's people. It's a great start, especially if you have a lot of debt. Exactly. Uh, and so, I mean, anybody who is looking for some motivation to get out of debt, I think that's a great place to start. And sometimes it's not even the principles that we disagree with. Uh, it's the approach. Although some of the principles Some of the principles we, we definitely yeah. disagree with. But yeah, and just his attitude, his approach. Uh, but regardless, that was... I didn't know if anybody else, uh, anybody else to turn to, any other sort of way for us to get on the same page. And so we went to this thing and it was great because it allowed Kate and I to have a shared vocabulary. It allowed us to talk about our money in a way mm. that was constructive as opposed to only talking about it when we had arguments. He's, right? like the, he's like the unbiased third party that entered into your relationship to give you some advice that you sorely needed and exactly. give you the ability to then talk about it well. Exactly. Yeah. And so I wanted to mention that because that was helpful for us early on. It was good for us as we started to basically build our life together. And so that was sort of like the initial sort of building block. And, uh, and then you mentioned the Downton Abbey story. Yeah. And that was another sort of moment where it felt like that we were becoming even more aligned with our goals. And we'd been kind of watching Downton Abbey earlier that week. We were driving Who to- Who wasn't at that point in time? <laughs> it was a hot show. It was, man. Um, it was like the squid game of its time. Especially like, I mean, they were just living this life of leisure and they're just in this, you know, this giant English- Countryside castle. Yeah. And Kate asked, she's like, well, how, how do they do that? Like, was that actually real life? And we, we got to talking about wealth and the ability for your money to, you know, do the heavy lifting for you. Like when you have enough wealth, uh, that money is when you put it to use uh, in certain ways, when you invest it, that that money is able to then grow. Uh, and then you have options. And that was essentially our first conversation about financial independence, which is something that was in the back of my mind. Like I remember my dad, literally telling me that story he's like there's this it's like picture it as sort of like a roller coaster and like once you kind of reach that peak and your money starts making more money than you do well then if you want to you can just kick back and you'll be cruising yeah then then, then you too can be become a member of the british aristocracy <laughs> exactly uh just avoid cruises on brand new ships uh, <laughs> that might sink in the freezing ocean but uh anyway that like that's what got us talking about financial independence and for us that was really cool because it helped us to realize that there might be these high, these sort of longer term goals that we're working towards, as opposed to us continuing to trade our time for money, mm-hmm. uh, instead putting our money to use in ways that would allow our money to grow. And and that is, I think, as people start to kind of wrestle with different personal finance topics, as you start to learn more, when you find out what compounding returns do, how they work, oh, yeah. and how much how much your money can work for you over over the long haul, over decades. It's kind of one of those like epiphany moments. And then you realize the concept of financial independence and that it can be broken down even into a simple math problem. But the the reality that you can uh, all, there are all these steps along the way that provide different amounts of financial independence in your life. And then that ultimate reality where, where you have enough money in the bank account that you don't have to work if you don't want to is is pretty incredible. Uh, but there are all these little mind blowing uh, things along the way, these mm-hmm. dominoes that fall, I think, in your personal finance education. But that is one of them. Oh, right? yeah. and, and, and that is one of the biggest ones. I, I remember I was already like investing while I knew a lot of the basics of personal finance. But then when I kind of started to get into and read some of the, the smarter folks in the financial independence movement, and I was like, Oh, I didn't know money could do that. And like that right. is that is mind blowing, right? Yeah. It's it's pretty life changing. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. Uh, another funny note, too, is that we had that conversation while we were in this crazy old crusty Honda. Yeah, I wanted to <laughs> ask you about that. Had you cha- At that point, like, so yeah, you write about you're, you're in this, like, nasty car at this point. And oh, you yeah. prioritized vehicles before then. Like, because, I mean, honestly. You called it crusty, I think. Did so, I? Yeah, I think you did. So, so is, is this, is this, at this I look point. back at that car with so much respect. Like, I, I almost wish we still it got had you it. got to and fro. It was amazing. It was an amazing car. And so we didn't have to do that. And what's interesting is, like, that was one of the first more quote-unquote extreme steps that we had taken in order to save money faster, in order to, to minimize our expenses. At that point in time, we weren't driving uh, a ton. Uh, we were working from home because we'd, we'd started our business. And so we realized at that point in time, we could, why not just try just having one car? And so for us, that was you know like 14 years ago, 14, 15 years ago, where we <laughs> have only had one vehicle in our family. But the reason we were doing that, though, is because we had the goal to be able to put down 20% on the first house uh, that we're saving up for. We're saving up uh, our first down payment. And the thing is, too, like I had a nicer, newer Grand Cherokee and we sold that vehicle because we were being smart. You downgraded we on down- purpose. We did because we knew we could get more for that vehicle. Let's get that off to somebody else. And we're going to continue to drive the car that gave us the best gas mileage, uh, that old Honda Accord. Uh, it was a fantastic car. When you you and I, we still share that same philosophy about cars. You have one car, a minivan. I have one car, a minivan. And they're both pretty inexpensive. Mine was literally $5,000. That is the only car that our family owns. And it's not because we can't afford to to buy a nicer car. It is a purposeful choice. And I think like once that epiphany hits you, uh, you become willing almost to make more oddball choices that most people aren't willing to make because it's propelling you more in that direction that you want to go. Like you realize what financial independence can do for you that you can kind of get to the top of that roller coaster uh, through by making a few smaller choices that to most people they're unwilling to make. But but in, in your new reality, it's not that big of a deal because it allows you to get where you want to go a whole lot quicker. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of folks will say, well, this car, it's paid off. It's like, well, first of all, you shouldn't have had a payment on that car anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then secondly, they're like, insurance is not all that much money. But yeah, sure. Maybe for you know one year, it's not that big of a deal. But over multiple years, after 10, 15 years, like that money really does add up and it can have a big impact and on depreciation. your depreciation. You got that two-year-old yeah. car. Think about how much it's going to depreciate in the next three to five years. And Absolutely. we're not telling everyone they have to live the way we live, but it is, it's interesting when we go back to there's some similar patterns. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, obviously we'll get to your story next week, but yeah. I mean, there's some, there's definitely some over, like we're very different in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of core fundamentals that are the same because to a certain extent, there's a certain formula that you can easily follow that's going to allow you to achieve financial freedom or financial independence a lot faster. I wanted to mention the car thing too, because you were asking about like my money struggles and how that's sort of essentially my, my biggest mistake uh, that I, I think of when I look back. And I wonder if <laughs> if I've essentially overcompensated for those past <laughs> errors. You know, like I've got all these SUVs, these expensive to maintain Low, you know, terrible gas mileage SUVs haunting me from my past, and so I'm only driving very fuel efficient Hondas. <laughs> the most days. economical choice, yes. yes. Aside from like Toyota and Lexus I, or whatever. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, we got we got I got a few more questions to get to, man. I want to talk about your formation of your first small business. We can talk even about the podcast a little bit and how we got started here. But uh, yeah, let's get to to some more of your story right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. 
If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right we're back and special guest on today's episode i'm here matt altmix my co-host my best friend and we started matt we, can you believe we started how to money four years ago and it's been a whole lot of fun there we've it's developed this incredible community of people who listen who care about the show who have learned a lot and made a lot of changes in their lives and so this is but this is not the first small business you started i want to talk about the first one that you began and it was not too long after you graduated from college you mentioned kind of being like a beauty school dropout uh basically (laughs) (laughs) you were in the corporate world for a hot minute and then you were gone and you decided to start your own uh photography business what what made you feel like you could you could jump ship and start your own business was it was it really mostly the inspiration from your mom and kind of like what you learned growing up about entrepreneurship because it always felt like unapproachable to me for a long time right i mean literally it just came down to crunching the numbers i mean and so i've always found i mean this is why i have excel spreadsheets going back to like yeah 2006 but when i sat down and crunched the numbers uh and mapped out the ability for me to make a living uh, with something else other than my standard job. Granted, I wasn't making a ton back then. And so it was, it's easier to make anything look good <laughs> <laughs> once you crunch the numbers. But that gave me the the confidence to know that, wow, okay, this is something that not only can I do and find enjoyment and satisfaction uh, by doing, but this is something that can provide for, for Kate and I in a serious way. And so, I mean, that coupled with the fact that neither Kate nor I had any debt and by any debt i mean like zero like what, we, what a, we didn't, a lucky way to start oh, off in a lot dude, of ways absolutely especially these days like that is yeah. not the case we didn't that have is hard to come by any student loans we both had scholarships you guys are like unicorns <laughs> in today's terms yeah and, and as, as well as small amounts of money that our, our parents had dedicated for our college as well but we both also had enough basic financial knowledge to know that we weren't going to go into consumer debt we you know i mentioned knowing to pay off my credit cards literally at the age of like 16 or 18 years old i knew that that's how you approach uh, 
uh, credit cards at least. And same thing with Kate. And so that allowed us to take what seemed like more of a risk to step away from jobs that were solid, that were dependable, that were paying us you know, a paycheck yeah. every, every two weeks. If you had had large amounts of debt weighing you down, whether it was school debt, credit card debt, anything, it, you would have probably found it a lot more difficult. It would oh, have been absolutely. a bigger risk. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we didn't, I mean, and we didn't even have a mortgage at that point. We were just renting a place. But And you're like, we can always skip town if we can't afford rent. <laughs> but like I wanted to mention too, just again, I want to reiterate crunching the numbers and having that knowledge uh, and the comfort that that brought. Because what I realized too, is that by going through that process uh, and crunching the numbers, even just on the cost of healthcare, I learned that even if I was going to stay with the company I was with, it didn't make sense for me to be a part of the company healthcare plan mm-hmm. because it was so expensive. And so I see that almost as like this turning point from thinking that the world's going to take care of you or your employer is going to take care of you as you know to like okay no now i'm in the driver's seat and you got to question more to make these decisions because nobody else here's the thing it doesn't matter what industry you're in what company you're with nobody's going to care about you and your livelihood and your future as much as you are and so i think oftentimes we can get lulled into thinking oh i've got this nice dependable wage oh i've got these benefits but in the end, uh, it comes down to us to be able to determine uh, what's going to be best for, for us and for our future. Okay. One, one of the most interesting things about you starting your own photography business, I remember when I met you, like you guys were already photographers. Like we, we've we known each other for, I don't know, like 12 years now? Been good friends? Yeah, 10, 12 years. Yeah. And so you, you uh, I remember you telling me early on that you turned down a lot of people that reach out to and wanted you to shoot their wedding. Like you were consistently turning down business. And I was like, that... That would frighten me as a small business owner. I would be trying to get as much business in as I could. And so, yeah, what yeah, was like your... Make hay while the sun's shining, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, oftentimes, that is the mentality. What was your ethos behind, like, turning down gigs? Uh, so, it took... So, we, you know, we started the photography company. And we started out with it as a side hustle. And it slowly ramped up. And then it eventually took over and was able to provide all of our... It was the sole source of our income. And But when I say, like, it took over, like, it literally took over our lives. And what we learned, especially being newly married, was that it was really destructive. It was really difficult for our marriage. And it took a couple years of us living through that for us to kind of go through that storm to... You know, luckily we made it out of that and we were able to look back and we realized that, man, that sucked. That was really difficult. And we need to make sure that we're not continuing to do that because uh, our relationship isn't, <laughs> it's not going, you know, in a great direction. Yeah, you, you, you're valuing or putting too much, too much emphasis on the business and yeah. not enough on your relationship. And we, I mean, we enjoyed it, you know, like it was literally all we ever talked about. It's all we ever thought about. It's all, I mean, a lot of what we did, especially those first couple of years after that, you know, we were able to, like you said, we, we said no more often and turn down work. But as a small business owner, I mean, that was, I think, I think that's probably the hardest lesson for any small business owner to learn, uh, which is that there are other things in our lives that we need to prioritize and need to value. And if you don't, the business is going to take over, yeah. right? Like if not, there's this sort of default way that the world, again, just by default, it encourages us to go a certain direction. And if there are other things that you value more, you have to fight for those things. Yeah. And so that's when it came down to us literally saying no. And we, you know, we could have, we talked about going in different directions as well bringing on additional shooters and you know we did you know more of that later on in the business but you know at that point in our lives we were we we, we had enough we had always had enough there were you know there were some years that were leaner than others uh, there were some years that were really fat but even still we were lucky enough to be in a position where we were never wanting and so for us that was an important distinction to make to to draw that line to to say no to income yeah, I think that's a powerful thing to say no to income and to say like, I have enough and you know what, drawing some lines because you and I like, th- there's no limit to the amount of things we could create or produce, or the amount, uh, the, the level to which we could grow the small business that you and I have started together. Yeah, but to have normal functioning family lives, like there has to be a limit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have to create an artificial limit, because we could keep pounding away, we could write books, and we could be on Instagram live like three times a day, like there's a million things we could do to reach more people to grow the business but we have consciously decided to say no mm-hmm. to doing more because it's not healthy and there has to be a limit and you have to be able to uh, it's it's a wise thing for your own mental health for your own sure uh, relational health in order to to see that and to say it yeah and again it's it, you know Kate and I we were fortunate enough back then uh, with photography to be able to make that decision right like we were in uh, a solid position and the same thing is true with you and I right now we are lucky we are fortunate to be in a position where we can say that oh well I don't really want to do this aspect that, you know, of spreading, spreading the reach of how to money. A lot of other people are doing this thing. 
do you want to do this? It's like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But we're in the position to where we don't have to say, oh, gosh, we have to do this thing. And that might change, you know, like like later this year, we might be in a position to where it's just like, oh, gosh, we we really need to do this thing now. We're not really excited about it. But when it comes, I mean, this is how businesses work. If there's things that you aren't excited to do, you get other people to do those yeah. things and hopefully it can scale in a way that makes sense. But again, you and I are fortunate to be in a position to where we can say that and we understand that uh, not everybody is in that position. Totally. totally. And I completely agree. I, I will say part of it is you put yourself in that position, right? And you, you, yeah. you know, driving a crusty car and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and having one car and avoiding debt. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a lot of credit goes to being raised well, having good parents too. And, and, and then another uh, thing that helps too, is having income coming from somewhere else, not just from an employer or from a business that you started, but in particular for for us and, and for you is rental real estate. And so, yeah, you you mentioned earlier your your story of kind of realizing by that a friend had a rental property, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that seems like that's pretty cool. We're yeah. paying him money every <laughs> single month, and yeah. he's taking that money and uh, scooping some off the top. Yeah, the rest goes to the bank. He's a cool <laughs> dude. I guess I don't know. Was that kind of what gave you the inspiration to to get into that? Yeah, yeah. So that was my first foray. Uh, another friend of ours up there in North Carolina as, as well, Clark. He uh, around the same time he had purchased his first home, and it was a triplex. So he was the original house hacker. He was the first house hacker that I. Knew new because he moved in the main level and he had uh, it it was a lot where it dropped away and he had two levels underneath the main floor pretty crazy lot Uh, (laughs) but he had two he inherited two tenants and so I forget you know I can't can't remember the numbers today but they were covering a substantial if not all of his mortgage and I was like holy crap like you, like so you're living for free wait that's possible and and so that was that's a, another one of those mind-blowing yeah moments, you know? and so just you know rental real estate as an idea uh, was introduced and then immediately right after that was the idea of house hacking both of those seeds were planted but I didn't have any money back then you remember like I told you <laughs> how I had to take money out of my Roth IRA in yeah. order to move move back down to Atlanta and to cover like, a deposit <laughs> that kind of stuff that's where I was at that point so those bigger investments were not on your radar oh it was not a possibility at all I mean I was like the guy I was like I, I helped Clark I was helping my friend move into his house and I was just like the muscle because he was going to pay for pizza and beers. <laughs> and for me, it was a free meal. Like, that's good like, enough. That's where I was uh, in my life at that point. And so, I mean, it wasn't for another, like, I think five or six years before rental real estate was a possibility. You know, so within that time, Kate and I got married. We saved up money for a down payment for our first personal home. Got a little two one. But then after that, we started saving up uh, some money to invest as well. And, you know, those seeds that had been planted started to germinate a little bit. And that's actually when you and I met uh, and you had purchased your first, you know, your own primary residence. And we got to talking, found out that you were uh, trying to be wise with your money as I was. And I think you had shared that you were thinking about buying a rental like because you, you just had your one property at that point, I think. Right. Yeah. Like right when we met. I think I literally was on the verge of pouncing on property number two yeah. and running out the first one. Yeah, exactly. And so we were like, like, oh, well, I don't want to move, but we've got this money saved up and we should put that towards our property. So, I mean, our interactions, us talking about it, I think certainly gave it was very encouraging because I, it would have been a lot tougher for me because I didn't know anybody in Atlanta who was doing that at that point in time. Right. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe only people in North Carolina do this. I don't know. <laughs> and so to have somebody else who was my age, who was thinking that like, oh, yeah, houses right now are really affordable. This is a really smart move. That was like the final straw that allowed me to to think, yeah, like I am going to do this. And yeah, I mean, I think we both got our, both of us got our second properties around the same time. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a confidence boost. I think when a friend is yeah, doing something. Absolutely. And, and if you can like learn, just, feels, learn from them as a guinea pig, I think sometimes it's helpful. <laughs> it feels less foreign, you know, just even talking about it with somebody yeah. else. Uh, you can listen to a podcast and hear people talk about it. But when you're talking to someone in, in person who you're close with, or, or even just like, that's why we encourage people to to join like uh, an investor or meetup group or something like that. Totally. Like, Learn from the people that are doing it, and they will like, they will help demystify some of yep. those things that in your mind you have built up to be these hurdles that you can't surmount. And it is possible, but uh, and, and you know we can talk about it till we run out of air in our lungs. And hopefully that will be helpful advice to you. But at the same time, meeting individuals where yep. you live who are doing it already is like I think the best way to go. Absolutely, about it. And, and plus, I mean, ten years ago, like there weren't. I mean, there weren't real estate real estate podcasts. Like the yeah. only podcast I'd ever heard of uh, was like this Harry Potter podcast <laughs> <laughs> that I came across. It was very much in its infancy, and it was just books. You know, like I remember reading the Mil- Millionaire Real Estate Investor by like one of the Keller Williams guys or whatever. Um, yeah, but it's there's a 
big gap between reading this massive textbook, basically, to actually pulling the trigger and doing that in your local town. And like you said, having somebody there locally who you know is also doing it, uh, it kind of gives you the confidence. It allows you to poke holes in each other's sort of plans and be like, oh, what about this? Or, or hey, how, how are you planning to tackle this? That definitely makes it just so much more approachable. Yeah. All right. Well, so there's no real resolution to this podcast because your story is not complete. Like <laughs> there's still there's yeah. still a lot of money moves that Dude, you... We're still, we're still doing it. Yeah. Aren't we? That you're making. And that's part of the fun of creating this podcast is along the way we get to share the things that we are doing. You know, we're not, we're not 70 year olds who have like r- reached the end. Like we're in the middle of this with our listeners, um, hopefully with wisdom to share. But yeah, is, is there anything else that you want to kind of relay to everybody about your story that you think is important, Matt, before we, before we kind of end this one out? I think one of the other things that comes to mind, I mean, we're talking about real estate. I think for anybody out there who is thinking about going in that direction, just to know that this isn't a completely passive form of income Yeah. uh, because the rewards can be quite large, but it does require time. Uh, And so I I think anybody who's thinking about doing this, they need to start thinking about it more as like a small part-time job, as a side hustle, something that can potentially ramp up and consume a lot of your time. Potentially depending. the most lucrative uh, part-time job. Oh, absolutely. Had, for sure. Oh, yeah. Especially but, but it you're, is. You're right. It is work. And we talked about that what, in the episode. We talked about yeah. the, the myths of passive income and how exactly. it, yeah. it, it's not a complete farce, but there is a reality to which if you want passive income, you got to work for it in, in any regard. Like it doesn't just kind of, you don't like uh, snap your fingers and the passive income fairy comes along and starts dumping right. money in your account every month. Yeah, exactly. And so just to think about it that way, I mean, I was talking with a friend over Christmas break. He had had a good year. He was thinking about what to do with some additional money that he had. And he had renovated his own home. And so he's like, you know, I've got these like renovation skills. Uh, I know how to make a house look good. He was thinking about buying another property in his neighborhood, working on it, renting it out. And... And, and this is the conversation I had with him. I was like, hey, that's awesome. You know, like the, the fact that you like everybody has their own superhero like power, you know, like. <laughs> and so for him, his sort of superhero strength is the ability to make a property beautiful himself, like without having to hire anybody else. It's just the cost of his tools, the supplies and, and his, time. his time. Yeah. But what I wanted him to think through was what his life would look like were he to do that. And he has a full-time job. I mean, he owns his own business and it's actually growing and expanding and it's going to look potentially very different this coming year. And so I was like, okay, imagine, you know, (laughs) doing that from eight to six or whatever it is that you get off work. Like, are you going to have it in you to come home and then clock in another three or four hours hanging drywall at this new property that you found that you want to flip? And that's what we want folks to think through with, you know, with any decision, uh, with any new responsibility, with any way that you're thinking about uh, making additional income, right? If it's a side hustle, think through what you want your life to look like. Yes, there are oftentimes sacrifices we need to make in the short term to achieve a goal, but do make sure that you are aware of what that's going to look like because you want to make those decisions with your eyes open. You want to make sure that you're making those decisions informed. Yeah. Yeah. You want it to be a calculated sacrifice because if you can't actually pay the cost, <laughs> you're going to, you might actually lose money in the proposition because yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you got to be willing to follow through for sure. Uh, totally. All right. Well, dude, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad yeah. we got to uh, dive into your money story. Hopefully, it's just interesting and helpful for listeners. Quickly, Matt, let's uh, folks know Matt a little bit better. Exactly. The, like I said, the man, the myth, the legend. My, You're on deck for next week, buddy. My best buddy. I'm, I'll be ready. Uh, <laughs> but, but we had a beer on this episode. This one was Athena Paradiso, Blackberry, Black Current, and Ambrosia by of course, Creature Comforts out of Athens, Georgia, where you went to uh, to college. My alma mater. That's right. So, yeah, what were your thoughts Unfortunately, that was not a brewery that was there while I was in school. I know, sadly, right? If so, though, like, would I have even been able to appreciate it? Probably like, not. Probably not. It took me actually growing up and being out in the real world and talking about real estate with my friend, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying my first uh, milk stout. I think that was one of my first craft beers where, okay. I, where I was like, oh, this is different than all those other beers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a Berliner Weiss. It's a tart German wheat. It poured a dark crimson red, like a very luxurious color. Yeah. Uh, Almost you, like a purplish hue to it. Oh, on. yeah. It's, it's really beautiful. And I really enjoy this one. Like the other variations of Athena, it's got that nice wheaty backbone. Uh, but obviously with this one, with the added fruit, uh, it just adds that. They call it Paradiso because it's like you're in paradise. It's yeah. like you're surrounded by just all this luxurious fruit uh, in this case ambrosia as, as well is ambrosia fruit like i know ambrosia salad is like uh 
you know, that's where they add marshmallows to oh, the, yeah. the berries. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what it... What's an ambrosia? What's an ambrosia <laughs> plant look like? I'll have to look that up after the, uh, the episode. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was like rich and velvety and it had like this medium tartness level going on. It's the first time I've had this version. Like you said, they make variants. And I think... Don't, my, don't my say variant, Joel. Variations <laughs> on it. <laughs> well, the, I think one of my... Yes, that's a good point. I think uh, probably my favorite variation is still the the one that they do with, with tart cherries. It's delicious oh yeah but this one was really good better than this i expected mm-hmm. and so yeah again another winner from creature comforts because they don't lose man they always make good they stuff they do a very good job be sure to swing by creature comforts if you're ever in athens georgia but joel i, I feel like i did a lot of talking but i didn't like direct the show quite as much but you did a fantastic job oh thank you my friend yeah. it was fun it was it fun. was fun yeah and uh yeah unfortunately we can only do these like i don't know like once every few years i guess <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, where we interview each other boring there's gonna have to be like a different twist on it next time we do it that's but, right uh, but yeah all right well uh yeah well if you are curious about hearing my money story you'll get to hear that on next wednesday's episode uh but matt until next time best friends out best friends out Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.